You're listening to Rosie on the House. Come on around back, Arizona. Eight o'clock hour, the outdoor living hour, third Saturday of the month. We are in the nursery, in the garden, talking all the things you can plant, eat, grow. Jay Harper of the Farms Choices in the studio with us. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, belated uh, happy birthday to Arizona, happy Valentine's Day, all of that. You know, Rosie, I had to save for the next hour, but I guess while you're in two and you, you brought up Valentine's Day, you know, we don't make a big deal about it. One, I'm, I'm horrible with holidays and birthdays and everything. And I can tell because the price tag is still on this. Amanda spent a dollar on me. Nice. On uh, on this, but this is this was kind of fun. It's a thought that counts. It, it's, a, it's a book of love coupons. Have you ever got a book of love coupons? No. 30-minute massage, saving that one. Good luck. (laughs) (laughs) An afternoon adventure, uh, a picnic in the park. (laughs) All right. Oh, that's a great idea. (laughs) That that, that was quite fun. (laughs) But we're here to talk about gardening. And I guess what brought that up is uh, in the back, there's blank notes. Okay. So could you use this uh, plant, the tomatoes? <laughs> yeah, could you please get those plants? Weed today? the garden. <laughs> I Speaking love of weeds, you too. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are, there are, and are going to be a lot of weeds this spring. Oh man, they've already started, and as soon as it warms up just a little bit, look out, baby. Oh, my goats are on overtime right now, yeah, <laughs> and my yeah. bush hog getting hooked up this afternoon. But you know, we are in that magic time right now, middle of February. It's just. If you aren't thinking about planting something, you should be. And if you should quit thinking about it and get out and do it, it's uh, it's time. I think, we, you know, we had a pretty hard freeze about a week ago, but I think we're typically done with that. Um, I was with a guy yesterday, said we had a little frost next week last year, about the 20th of February. But uh, it was just a frost and, and, you know, the hard stuff's done. So if you've got some damage at your house, uh, start watching for the new growth to occur. Once you start seeing new growth on things like bougainvilleas and lantanas that got maybe zinged a little bit by the cold weather, it's a good time to start pruning that stuff back. Uh, if you haven't pruned your rose bushes back yet, hurry. You should you should have that done. Should have had it done by now. It's not too late though. You can still do it. Um, and uh, fruit trees the same way. Not citrus fruit trees. We're talking deciduous fruit trees. Time to, time to get those finished up and, and pruned. And then it's just time to, to dig in and start planting. Anything from, you know, geraniums to tomatoes to peppers to shade trees, you name it. It's, it's about time you could do about anything. And fertilizing, let's not forget, one of the days we use to remind ourselves to fertilize, especially citrus trees. So Valentine's Day, Memorial Day, and Labor Day. So... There's there's enough there to spark a few phone calls hopefully and uh, we can talk about gardening but weeds weeds seriously if you, you want to keep on top of them if uh, if you didn't use pre-emergent or it wasn't you know strong enough or whatever and you got some weeds coming up it's a lot easier to control them while they're small than it is when they're big so if you catch them while they're little you can even just pull them uh, it doesn't take you know 
that much effort to even pull them up. So stay on top of them. Don't let them become a because even if you do something with them when they're big, then you got a lot of stuff you got to do something with, <laughs> you know, so piles and piles of green material that you have to, you know, figure out what to do. So keep on them. Get that flamethrower out there. Amen. <laughs> flamethrower, goat, bush hog. We got uh, a little drag by Dunn Wright. Uh, have you seen that brand? It's a nice. I have. So on carts or some garden carts or something. This is a, a disc drag. Uh, dad got us for I don't know two or three years ago as a Christmas gift and we hooked that up to the quad and okay, every time it okay, ra- sure. rains drag the ground and mm-hmm. it it keeps keeps the weeds down where we can get it we can't obviously get it to every place right. uh, but they also have uh, they've got a lot of great stuff the next thing they've got a wood chipper that you hook up to the back of your tractor on a three point on oh, three so as you're okay. Tri- wow. As I'm trimming the orchard, I'll be able to just put those, Ooh. Whoosh, whoosh, nice, mulch it right back onto the ground. Yeah, and I that'd come in I, handy. I'll tell you, you were talking about weeds. For those of you listening, I have declared war on spurge within my property lines. Okay, I'm just not going to tolerate it. It all, it almost uh, being in the hospital all, I was overrun with it this last. Yeah, summer. I'll bet. I've already had Ray Lopez out. <laughs> and I give this whole lot spurge, spurge aside, whatever you got to do. He says, well, it's gonna probably going to take a couple of hits. I said, I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. We are not going to have any spurge on this property. And if you want to fight it, you got to start fighting it now. Yeah, so, so we're at a great time to put pre-emergent down again, early spring, and then probably again – before the monsoons hit, I would recommend it. Because that's when the spurge really, I mean, if you think you Gosh, got it, man. and then the monsoons hit, and you're like, whoop, <laughs> I didn't have it. Because <laughs> it loves that hot, humid weather. Man. Just loves it. So, yep, stay on top of it. And you had mentioned uh, spurring calls. We've got Robbie and Mesa we'll get to in just a moment at one 767 4348 That's one for you If you'd like to join the conversation, you can send text to 411 923 or email us at info at rosieonthehouse.com if you need a little help with the plant or insect identification. Uh, you, can, you can send those images to info at rosieonthehouse.com. What uh, gardening-wise, not quite planting season, but we've got time coming up for our spring, don't we? Well, I would get tomatoes in the ground uh, for sure. I mean, you know, I in fact, I I brought some home the other day. From so, seed or as no, starters? No, from starters. You're too late from seed, really, quite honestly. Um, you, we want to get we'll, – tomatoes one of those things you almost got to ch- cheat just a little bit on the frost. Ideally, first week into February, second week, Valentine's Day. You know, if you wait till the last possible frost-free date to plant your tomatoes, you're going to be way too late. Um, so, I, no, this is, this is prime tomato, tomato planting. Uh, peppers, you got a little more time on peppers, but I'd be getting those in. Probably a little cooler early yet for cucumber squash, you know, those those guys. But you probably still have lots of stuff on your winter garden. The conundrum is space for me. It's like, okay, I still got all of this leafy stuff, and it's looking great, and will continue to look great. Where do I find room for, you know, the summer stuff? And so you've got to start kind of transitioning uh, that, but, uh, no, it's, this is probably 
If I was going to pick one weekend to plant tomatoes, this would probably be it. Ooh, that's so, a good heads up. Yeah. yeah. And that is one of my goals this year is we haven't had a, a garden for a couple of years just with the, the age of the kids and our rodeo scheduling. But a, a spring garden, and we've wanted to do this. I'm not much on, like, gadgets and stuff. But when it comes to the kitchen and processing and food, that Lehman's catalog is dangerous for me. <laughs> and they've got this processor that when you get your combination right of peppers and onions and tomatoes, you just put it all in this funnel and crank it, and it spits out your salsa. Salsa's done. Yes. Nice. So home homegrown oh. salsa is our goal for summertime coming. What are we going for breakfast? <laughs> my, my goal... It's simple. The last time we had tomatoes, I figured they cost me $64 a piece. Well, yeah, that's about <laughs> I right. Ju- I just want to beat that bin. I just want to get a $60 tomato. That's oh, my goal. Well, that's, no, if anybody ever told you to grow a garden to save money, you know, don't ever take any advice from them ever again because it isn't going to work. <laughs> Well, you, you're, it's like going hunting or fishing, you know. <laughs> that venison steak cost you about seven hundred dollars oh, a pound. Man, oh that man. Alaskan salmon was. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> by the time you get your airfare back, the uh, but you gotta. You, you, there's no factor on quality of life and what that garden and quality of life brings. You know, you, you can't factor money into that. Well, you flavor. Know, just all of that and going and, and I don't know, just especially now that the hallelujah, the days are getting a little longer, right? That you get home and it's not pitch black and you don't get up in the morning. It's, so you can actually get home from work and, you know, kind of go out there and maybe have an adult beverage or an iced tea or something and you walk around and Ooh, our mint, water our the mint garden. And, oh, I love picking mint and dropping and so, in that tea. There's just something about surveying your kingdom as you get your your 10 by 10 garden, you know. But, you know, that's just therapeutic at the end of the day when you get home. And you, there's, like you said, there's no price for that. Yeah, no, I agree. So now's the time for tomatoes. Hold off on cucumbers still. I would, yeah, I would say first of March is kind of cucumbers, melons, uh, squashes. I mean, you could still do it, uh, just, you know, it. Could be little, you could still and you still have time to do those from seed if you want to do those from seed certainly. That's another thing I completely failed at. We there's nobody in the house that doesn't like pickles. You, a jar of pickles open doesn't last five minutes. We tried our own. We're a long way from Velastic. Oh well, <laughs> yeah, that's fun Ma- to try. Mount Olive, they got it down. We we are a long way from figuring that <laughs> recipe out. <laughs> There, there, there isn't anything that's not good pickled, though, I don't think. So if you could figure out how to do it, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, no, we're we're in the throes of starting the, the spring-slash-summer vegetable garden. You know, winter flowers are still going strong, so you don't need to worry about switching any of that out yet. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's just about nothing you can't do in the garden right now. Ooh. And we'll get to Robbie and Mesa right after this. Texts are coming in as well. If you'd like to join the conversation, one triple eight. Seven six seven four three four eight. There you go. I'd like to be under the sea in an octopus's garden in the shade.
Robbie Mesa, first on the line, first on air. Welcome to the program. How may we help you? Yeah, thanks for uh, taking my call. Um, right now, this year, I say every year, I decided to call this time. Um, we have goat heads really bad in our front yard. We have flood irrigation in downtown Mesa. And uh, we haven't gotten the seed yet. It's just like a, it's like a full covering of green. Zero grass. The grass is still dead. Seems like what happens is the grass will come in and then choke the uh, the goat heads back. They go, you know, we're okay, but they're still there, right? Lingering, waiting to uh, come up the next season. So I'm just wondering how to get ahead of them well, and remove them. Okay. Without- well, first of all, keep them from going to seed this year. Uh, you know, but you can use a broadleaf weed killer. It won't damage your lawn, especially if your lawn is dormant. So I would get out there and get what's there removed somehow, whether you use a herbicide or you pull it or whatever you want to do. And then you need to use a pre-emergent herbicide, especially if you're not planting a winter lawn, then your timing doesn't matter so much, but you want to get it on, you know, probably in the fall, late September, early October. And again, about now, if you do those two times a year, you should, you should be able to stay ahead of that puncture vine uh, pretty effectively. But so number one, don't let it go. Don't let it start flowering. Get it out of there now. And then as soon as it's out of there and out of the way, get some pre-emergent down. And then again, next fall, especially if you're not going to plant a winter lawn, get an application of pre-emergent on at that time. Twice a year, it should take care of you. How many weed questions between now we ought to and keep track. April. <laughs> All the different, how many and what and what kind variety of weeds? It's going to be a great variety. Uh, I miss my MSMA. Oh, sorry. Write your congressman. <laughs> I think is that a weed killer? <laughs> yeah, I think I just finished my last container of it <laughs> within the last month or so. <laughs> how long has that been outlawed? Uh, Five uh, years? Yeah, probably. Oh, that's it. Five or six, six years. years. Pretty, pretty say, recent. How old is that container in your year? <laughs> but uh, yeah, you need to you need to write uh, Mr. Schweikert and say, "Hey, man." <laughs> now let me ask you: In a flood irrigation, mm-hmm. can he get away with pre-emergent just twice a year? Well, maybe not. That's right. He had flood irrigation, didn't he? he maybe three or four times. <laughs> yeah. With all that water. Wash the more out. water you have. It, you know, the more it's going it to leaches, out, leaches right? it out. Yeah. So, yep. And, uh, yeah, so he's especially from when he starts irrigating. So probably one in the fall is okay because he probably doesn't irrigate much, if at all, all winter. And then once you start irrigating in the spring, spring and summer, maybe do a couple, three. And so. you know my theory on landscaping. If a little does a little good, a whole lot does a lot. <laughs> right. Can you over Pre-emerge? Well, you could, you could, you what, could. What would be the consequences? Um, you know, well, you could get it to where you could have some maybe sterility problems. Oh. Uh, you know, I don't, it would take a lot, and it would depend on the on the on the pre-emergent oh. uh, okay. itself. But you know, it's something that you get to the point where you know you're diminishing returns too, and it's not it's not super expensive, but it's not cheap to do it, um, and you know, you're just kind of wasting money that you might be able to use for something else but no, i was just curious i don't i don't i don't think in reasonable terms if you did it a little heavy that you would cause any issues with, when you uh, talk about pre-emergent are we talking liquid and or granules and or can you give some examples liquid and or granules so you you can buy pre-emergent in a granular 
form. You can buy it in a powdered form that you mix with water and spray. You can buy it in a liquid form that you mix with water and spray. So all of the above. You can even buy pre-emergent that is combined with fertilizers. Uh, you know, So there, there are a number of ways to do it. The one for spurge that I like the, the best is, is the trade name for it is Dimension. And it can be bought either way, but the easiest way for most homeowners to apply it is is in a granular form. Now, remember, whether you apply them as a dry or a liquid, they do have to be watered in to be activated into the soil. So, unfortunately, here in, in the desert, we can't count on a rainstorm coming by in a few days or a week to do that for us. So, if you've got large expanses of gravel areas, especially, that you're trying to incorporated in you've got to be able to get a hose or some type of watering device to those areas after you've applied the pre-emergent whether it's from a liquid form or a granular form and get it watered in and in either form whether it's granular liquid whatever um what i'm always worried about as well is we've got a lot of chickens that Uh just kind of Uh, roam the property and That'll tell you about what happens when you put diazin on on your lawn and let the chickens out. Well, yeah, that wouldn't be a good combination. <laughs> it's ugly. I don't think, it's, I don't it's really think, ugly. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when the in-laws are over yeah, for dinner. Yeah, and it's, it's really ugly. Chick- convulsing chickens <laughs> running around the backyard. Have you ever tried to give mouth-to-mouth to a chicken? Uh, no. <laughs> Nor would I. <laughs> Uh, pre-emergent probably wouldn't be quite the, the same issue, but if you're if you do have that, then the liquid versions are probably better for you. So there's nothing there for them to to pack to they pack up. The, and, they yeah. couldn't eat the granular. Yeah, right. So weeds, weeds, weeds. We're going to be talking about that. Like you said, we need to keep track of all the different times. We're going to be answering questions on that, and it's <clears throat> no. There's no one solution. We actually have a texture here that uh, a new situation here couple of ash trees in the grass lawn and the weeds have started to take over what can she spray without hurting the ash trees well you you just you have to be super careful and a lot of those products you don't want to get up under the drip line of the tree so might be a case where that, you, that's you're going to get some you're going to get some <laughs> exercise this weekend that's the hula ho is, is your answer there yeah. and and it works great after great watering you, you do a nice deep watering now that manual weed removal gets a lot easier. There you go. I come to my brother was there and he said, what's wrong with your eyes? I said, I don't know. Well, I, I think we're going to plan a trip. If you're... He said, well, let me give it a try. I spent the rest of that day and most of that night trying to find my brother Bill. Caught up with him about 6 o'clock the next morning, naked, singing on the windmill. Said he flew up there. I had to fly up and get him down. He's about half crazy. Very next day, we picked I can picture his face. I'm having a hard time pulling his name. He sings the streak and. Oh no! You're thinking Ray Stevens? Ray Stevens. No, that no, nope. uh, that we wasn't Ray Stevens. No, no, that was Jim Stafford. Uh, before the show, we oh, were talking Jim about Stafford. Branson, Missouri, and Jim Stafford's had a theater there for decades oh. and all that. But I don't like spiders and snakes. Yeah, that's, I could have sworn it. that was. Stevens. <laughs> that ain't what it takes to live. <laughs> well, we are in the landscape and gardening hour. If you'd like to talk about your landscape or garden, one triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. That's one triple eight. Rosie, for you, 
Uh, Mr. Harper, you'd mentioned earlier that this is one of the magic week's uh, holidays for fertilizing citrus. And Bill and Gilbert texted in and wanted to know, can he also trim citrus right now? Uh, we don't ever recommend trimming citrus. But <laughs> if you have to, uh, now's probably not the best time because they're going to start blooming. You want to wait till you either kind of want to do it in the fall or wait till they're done blooming, you know, here in a couple of months. Because then you know what citrus produce fruit on old wood, not new wood, and so if you trim off all your, you could you you could end up trimming off all your blooming wood if you're not careful. And you just barely want to trim. You want to shape citrus. Just give them a little bit of shaping. We don't do heavy pruning because they're a bush, not a tree. So think of them that way. Think of how you would trim a bush. You would just give it some shaping. Um, if you overprune them, you will open. You, you risk the chance of opening up the canopy, getting sunburn on the main scaffold branches. You don't want to trim them up too high off the ground and have the trunk sunburn because that's irreparable. That that tree will just kind of go downhill steadily from there. So be very careful. Now I plan on doing a lot of trimming to my citrus this uh, this spring. For two reasons. One, we had so much fruit last year. It was the first time I've actually seen branches break because I had so much wow. fruit. Wow, yeah. But second, I've never, not never, I've hardly touched them at all. And they're now about seven years old, and I want to bring the canopy, the leaves, off the ground. Mm -hmm. Not high, but you can't even get to the inner canopy because it's completely okay. to the ground. Well, I want sure. To, I want to get a little <clears throat> space underneath. My recommendation would be to do a little, don't. Don't try and do too much at one time. It might take you a couple of years to get to where you want to get them. Okay. You know, just kind of work your way at it. But Baby and steps. It, and if you do trim them up higher than you intended, um, you know, uh, then make sure you paint that trunk or wrap it or protect it so it doesn't get any sunburn contact. And on that paint, there's a specific tree paint. You don't want to just get your typical. Don't go in the, in the storage room and get and get some, you know, semi-gloss interior latex stuff. No, you want to use a tree trunk paint. And in my opinion, the go natural, the stuff that doesn't, you put it on there and it looks just like the trunk of the tree is the most appealing. I don't like, you know, white trunks out in my landscape, but that's, you know, that's personal. And that. I don't know if they – do you know if they, <clears throat> they still own it? The people that invented that are local here. Chuck Robbins, I don't know. I assume that Chuck still mm -hmm. does. But, uh, yeah, Mesa Citrus Farmer that developed that uh, because his wife was so upset when she came home one day and the whole – they lived in the middle of their citrus orchard. So they had hundreds of citrus trees, and they had done all this landscaping and trimmed – these trees up that were in the front yard of the house, and it was a sea of white tree trunks. And uh, Didn't so, like the look. Didn't like the look. <laughs> so they invented the Go Natural, which is a trunk-colored paint that's made to protect From them. a distance, you cannot tell. You can tell if you get up close that, oh, yeah, I see it's a little bit different, but it, you, you can't tell they're painted. Would that work on ficus trees, too? Absolutely. Ah. Ficus, mm -hmm. ash. Any smooth-skinned type tree, um, it's, it's great. Yeah, fruit trees, apricots, peaches, apples, those types of trees, it's awesome. Yeah. I haven't put any on our red push pistache, but my other deciduous, the ash and the mulberries, I've painted all those. 
Yeah, and I think the red push is probably okay. It 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 gets a pretty good little barky tissue on it. But uh, yeah, definitely young ash trees, young mulberries, those types of trees would would benefit from that. Pecans, for sure. I've I've put it on our pecans as well. They're uh, and. I know some people aren't a big fan of it, but it is designed to be um, breathable, unlike other paints that are designed to be a skin protectant to, right. you know, the surface. This one is designed, and and consequently, because of the way they're designed, they do you do have to redo it, you know, ever so often. It won't last forever, um, which actually wouldn't be a good thing in this case. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So well, kind of watch it. As the tree it. grows and the right. trunks expand, the obviously that cracks paint and peels and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So you want to make sure you redo it when needed. Go natural paint. That's one of the things you could use. I know Eisenhower is a big fan of just wrapping it with burlap. Um, that's another way you, you could protect your trunk. But whatever the case, that smooth skin trunk is very. Just don't use plaid. Sunburned. If you're going to wrap, wrap with a breathable. Again, we're talking breathable. A cloth, a burlap, something that uh, will let some air through. We've talked about planting tomatoes now. We've talked about weeds. We've talked about protecting your uh, soft bark, mm-hmm. bushes and shrubs with go natural. We haven't talked about winter lawns. Okay. How much longer can I expect my – I was looking at it. I'm like, should I fertilize? Should I not fertilize? Should I go ahead and let it die off? No, it's a long ways. Well, I hope. Gosh, let's hope it's <laughs> let's hope it's a long ways from dying off because that means it's going to get hot really early. Um, it typically through April and into you know the beginning of May, you know, and that's usually a good sign as to when to actually force it to die because it you know winter lawns can go clear to July here if you keep feeding and watering them and babying them. So I usually f- look for that first hundred degree day, which Hopefully doesn't occur until maybe June, but <laughs> by Mother's Day, though, if we haven't gotten that, you want to start transitioning that that lawn, you know, start mowing it short. But uh, so, yes, to answer your question, we, we definitely want to fertilize winter lawns at least one more time um, before that starts to transition out. And let's hope it's not until at least May sometime before it gets hot. And can I use the same fertilizer on that that I've been using for the Bermuda during the winter? Typically, yes. Um, You know, if you're using a good wintertime fertilizer, um, I like slow-release fertilizers so that you just don't get huge spikes of growth and then they dissipate quickly. Um, Of course, you know, organic fertilizers like um, Farm's Choice or, you know, chicken manure-based type products work really well. Granular products. Uh, t- good old turf royale has been around a long time. It's a good all-purpose tree, shrub, lawn fertilizer for year-round feeding. So, a number of good options. But uh, you know, the make make sure you use them. I go into lots of garages and find lots of old antique <laughs> bags of fertilizer that still have fertilizer in them. Uh, those don't work so well if they're still in the bag somewhere. <laughs> Does it have a shelf life? I mean, will it, as it just sits there. Well, and they get hard. Typically, deep. the moisture out of the air, they'll, you know, they'll absorb that ambient moisture, and this stuff will get like a big. It'll end up being like a big block of cement in that bag. Makes them kind of hard to use. And you wouldn't want to put that kind of concentration around a plant. <laughs> you'd you'd have to go in and re you know chop it up, it up and break it up and and 
do some work to it. Yeah, you don't want to put big old clumps of that, especially on a lawn. You'd end up with a bunch of big dead spots in your lawn, for sure. Yeah, I've got a, a couple bags like that now that you mention it. Water Use It Wisely reached out to us this week and wanted to know if they could come on and start talking about planting. You know, this is a great time of the year before the heat comes if you're looking to add a tree or a shrub or convert your landscape. Give them a few months to get established before we do mm-hmm. hit that that 100-degree triple-digit weather. Absolutely. The earlier, the better. That fall That's why fall is such a great time to plant trees, even desert-adapted trees. But uh, get, get it's a lot easier on you, too. I mean, it's cool out. It's easy to dig holes. You're not going to sweat so much, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. And getting a nice low water use, uh, nat- indigenous you know, mesquite, palo verde, ironwood uh, to shade south and western exposures, you know, you're going to save a lot more on what that shade can do to your cooling costs on your home uh, than you're going to spend watering it. <laughs> absolutely. Um, of course, ironwood might take a while, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're not talking an ex- immediate return. No, okay. Here. Your grandkids might I love enjoy that. the savings on the ironwood. <laughs> I planted it. The only ironwood I've ever planted, I went by uh, and saw it a couple of weeks ago. It's still not as tall as me, and that was 15 years ago. <laughs> yeah. <they're> <laughs> That's why the mesquites and the palo verdes are popular. Yeah, and they, they'll get there quick. So, yeah, and that's a good point, too, is make sure you know how big they're going to get, how quick they're going to get that big so you can space them properly and don't get them too close to the house or too close to each other. Not really Arizona native, but one tree that I absolutely love, and I've got a place on our property. I'm going to put a small grove of them for a privacy screen are the the Texas ebony. Mm -hmm. That's a really pretty dark green foliage ebony is the name imply it's a good good descriptive name for it because they are that dark green almost black and and where they are it's not something uh, tree wise i need to shape and and manicure a lot that's good because you don't want (laughs) to no you don't want to be in there messing with them if you need some security (laughs) or a secure screening or a private screening uh, you know a a, an invader home invader would be really sorry he picked your house if he had to go through one of those What's how's that song go? That the rabbits wouldn't go. <laughs> oh, the, yeah. if you let it get low enough, not even the rabbits would go through. Well, that's, that, was always the, that was the song about the the historical event you guys were taking. Nineteen twelve, about. or yeah. battle, yeah, the battle of New Orleans. Yep, yeah, Johnny Horton. <laughs> so that's what other trees? Because when you look at uh, the the water use it wisely has a, a desert plant book. There's a lot more than. The four I mentioned. The well, and, and, the and, you know, and most of those are not obviously quote unquote natives, and that's fine. They're, they're desert or but low they're water low adapted. Water, yeah. So there's a bunch of acacias that are, that are all great ones. I tell you, you know, there, there is probably nothing more drought tolerant than that doggone red push pistache if that look will go with your landscape. Mm. It's fabulously low, low water uh, adapted. Uh, even the, the live oaks, very, very low water adapted trees. Um, so the, the main ones are the different, you know, and there's, there's different cultivars of mesquites and palo verdes that thought obviously will grow, you know, in little different forms, a sweet acacia, the, the shoestring acacia doesn't look anything like any of those. It's more of a weeping habit. Um, so it depends on how much space or room you have. And again, I, you know, I, I'm a big fan of, 
of pistachios and oaks and elms, even though they're not the classic desert-looking tree. They're very arid adapted uh, and will do just fine in our low-water landscape. So it, it depends on the look and the space that you have. Hey, way to tie it all together there, Gary D. Gardening and Valentine's Day and seeds and love and so on. I didn't even catch that. Good, okay, (laughs) I'll take the credit. (laughs) It is the time where you'd mentioned uh, sowing seeds. We're a little late for tomatoes. Just get the starter plants, which... Yeah. It is fun to teach the kids from seed. But when you want to talk success ratio and bringing your cost per tomato down from $64, $2 Well, and what are you going to do with 100 tomato plants? <laughs> you know, you know they're, they're, it's easier to teach them from seeds that are big, easy to, you know, like squash seeds or, you know, the pumpkin seeds or, you know, beans or things that have a big seed. And then when they germinate, it's a big, immature leaf coming up through the soil. That uh, I think anyway, and then you know you can put three squash seeds in a little hole, and you know, and end up actually just direct planting them right where you want to end up having them grow a lot easier than you know. If you plant, try and plant tomato seeds direct in the ground, you're going to have you'd be a lot of thinning out there picking them out. <laughs> so I don't know. That's just me. I you know. And you like to have maybe three or four varieties of tomatoes. So if you got to buy, you know, plant seeds for three or four different varieties, it's just it's a lot more work than it needs to be, in my opinion. But that's, hey, just me. <laughs> this gardening thing's supposed to be fun, not work. That's right. And what variety of tomatoes for Arizona? Well, if I was going to pick one tomato, it would be Celebrity. I still think it's... Tried and true. It's a decent eating tomato, heavy producer, not the not the biggest tomato out there as far as the size of the fruit, but it's just very dependable and has and has g- good flavor and it's good tomato. Early girl, if you want something that's just super successful, produces lots of fruit. the The tomatoes themselves tend to be a little bit on the smaller side. You can't go wrong with with yellow pear little tomatoes and just pop them right in their mouth off of off the vine yellow pears just are fabulous um so that'd be three pearson is a great old variety if you can find them they can be a little harder to find i think it's a great variety and then all of these heirlooms almost all of them do pretty well but there's some really funky ones you know green and yellow striped ones and you know if you want to have fun with the kids and grow some weird looking tomatoes there there's some pretty neat ones there too so you know i always tell people if you ask 10 different 10 people what their favorite tomatoes are you'll get 35 different answers you know so i was told not to feed uh tomato plants to goats that it's actually can be poisonous well, the plant tomato plant is technically on the poisonous plant yes well, <clears throat> I don't think I, anything I, hurt a goat, though. I was say it, it certainly <clears throat> didn't hurt ours. No. <laughs> it just when it, it died, and it, I don't know if it was because it had died out, and I was just pulling out of the garden and I threw it from over the fence to where the goats could get it, and 
it didn't hurt them. I don't know if it was fresh and green, if yeah, it had more. I, but I just think they're pretty bulletproof and have an impervious gut to probably <laughs> anything. But, uh, you know, the, the tomato plant itself is technically poisonous. Now, that, just because it's poisonous, I don't know how much of that you got to eat either. True. You know, for a human to ingest. But don't recommend it. It's If you've ever just smelled even a tomato vine, they're pretty pungent. So I I doubt it tastes very good. True or false, can you take a tomato's stem with the little hairs on it, plant it in the ground, and grow a, another plant? Have you, you ever heard of take that? a piece, a cut a piece of tomato and make a cutting off a tomato plant and plant it? Right. Uh, probably because the little hairs. So one trick we always tell people, if you buy plants that are real big, tall, you can actually either dig a deep hole or lay them down in a trench and then bend the end of it up. And all of those little hairs will turn into roots. So, so yes, uh, it would be true. You could start tomato plants from cuttings. And the thing I still haven't been able to figure out is how is that in the same plant family as something that's underground like a tomato? Because they actually have— A potato, you mean? A potato did I tomato? What did I say? You <laughs> said tomato. <laughs> tomato, potato. I knew where you were potato, going. Potato, tomato. They have grafted yes. a plant that— you grow your tomatoes above ground, yeah. and you grow your potatoes underground, and they call it French fries and ketchup right. plant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's kind of clever. But they are they are in the same. They're in that nightshade. That's what it is. Family, the nightshade. and uh, so they they are technically related, and so they are they can be grafted uh, together. I'm not. I think that's kind of a fun thing to think about. Novelty. I'm not sure how practical. <laughs> John, it is. Jennifer, and I. At the Builder Show in Las Vegas, we found something for you. Uh oh. We're going to try and secure one and get it delivered to your house so you can try it and let us know if it works. It's about half the size of an upright refrigerator, and it's an, and it fits into the cabinets of your kitchen, and it's an indoor hydroponic garden. <laughs> so you just oh, it's temperature okay. and yeah. humidity controlled in there. You just open the door. And you pick your basil, you pick your mint, you pick your rosemary, whatever it is you've got going in there. Absolutely, totally, 100%. And we were going to try and get one and try it. I said, well, no, let's give it to somebody that actually can grow something. You know, and what a great idea if you lived in a high-rise in Manhattan. Oh, man. Or someplace like that. That would that was pretty cool. It is. It's yeah. really a cool thing. Yeah. They're $11,000. Well, Speaking of tomatoes costing $6,400, <laughs> those tomatoes cost $6,400 a piece. But if you were in a high-rise and you didn't have to worry about You can afford to buy a high-rise in Manhattan, you can afford $11,000. Or like any kind of apartment where you don't have a lawn to take care of. Well, yeah. you, know, you can spend you finance that over five years. <laughs>